Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey gang, Nat here. Favor to ask. We are up for an award. Yep. <laughs> it took me a while to uh, work out quite how the hell that happened. But we are. The Sports Podcast Awards, no less. We are nominated in unsurprisingly, the NFL category for best NFL pod. How about that? How about that? So help us out, please, if you can. If you got, I reckon it takes about 45 seconds. That's my guess. To head on over to sportspodcastawards.com. You got to register, register your email and vote for us as your favorite NFL show. It's going to help us because quite frankly, we like a bit of chest puffing. But also, if we win that award, we think we've got a better shot of getting Drew Locke, Joe Judge, maybe even Urban Meyer on the show next season. And that is our wish list for next season, as you all well know. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com, sportspodcastawards.com, and vote for the show. Appreciate it. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us, gang. I and Mike back in the house. And let me tell you, he is on vintage form. Looking back at Super Wildcard Weekend. Never forget the Super. Looking ahead to the divisional round. Some key matchups. And Mike breaks it all down for you. It is not to be missed. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Ian, Mike, good to see you. First things first, are you surging like the Buffalo Bills? Or are you fading fast like the Arizona Cardinals at this stage of the season? Oh, I thought you were going to say fading fast like the New England Patriots. <laughs> I was, I was feeling kind. And, yeah, and, and, and Bill. I, I mean, you know, I, I feel, I feel for Bill. Um, no, I'm, I'm surging, baby. As, as you know, I crashed in over Nat as he was trying to open the show. And, Some things never change, right? I said his timing's worse than Dak Prescott's. <laughs> Which I said was a particularly low blow at this stage of proceedings. Things were recorded this at 9.30 and change on a, on a Tuesday morning. Let's start with last night's game, first of all. And straight off the bat, Iron Mike, uh, latest odds, uh, courtesy of Propo, who, you know, as a g- degenerate, likes uh, likes a bit of the action. The new playoff Lenny odds, Odell Beckham 6-4, to four, Devin Singletary's 3-1, to 9-1 to one bar. So Beckham suddenly rocking in as the new playoff Lenny. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't. Don't get too excited about that, but you know it was it was very he had smart. A great, he got a great game. It was very oh no, he did. I'm not I'm not putting him down. It was very smart smart by Sean McVay. Um, what they did, you know, because everybody's talking about um, you know they're they're running the ball, but you know actually if they if you take that first play of the game away, their running was fairly ineffective. 
efficient in terms of yards gained, mm. but he stuck with right. the run. And we've talked about this a couple of times in the past. Jonathan Taylor had a game like that where, you know, he had one big run, but they stuck with him and the big run came late, you know, and, and he was doing like two and a half yards of carry. But the fact that they stayed with it opened things up. And the fact that Arizona were trying to double team Cooper Cup all the time meant Beckham had opportunities and they took advantage of it, you know, mm. and full credit to him for stepping up. And, um, you know, plus, plus he threw the option pass, which was great. And, oh, and yes. After- on that, who's who do you think in terms of I was thinking wide receiver power ranking. So Odell's on there. Kendall Hinton, we've got to give him props. <laughs> if we go to old school, Antoine Randall L, where are you? Your all-time favorite receiver. Well, Antoine Randall L was a quarterback in college. college. Right? You know, right. um, so Jarvis Landry still has to be near the top of the, of the present day um, wide receiver pa- option pass throwers. Heinz are we saying Ward those that are quarterbacks in college like Randall L? That's like those who enter Strictly Come Dancing who have been in in a group or, <laughs> or football you know, commentary count, that, or football com- <laughs> or, or of course or former NFL quarterbacks I, I'm scratching <laughs> my head trying to think of one but you know that doesn't count right so yeah so we've got to remove quarterbacks that were right well, receivers that were wide receivers in high school or college yeah. I guess Kendall Hinton must have been I think he was high school wasn't he so he, I, I said that's what I yeah he was a high school quarterback mm-hmm. um I a lot of guys were high school quarterbacks at one point or another you know because the younger you are you know the better the better athletes become like like most baseball players start out as shortstops or center fielders because they're right. the best, the most athletic players. And then mm. they move out, you know, um, as, as, as the competition gets better. Yeah. It happens yeah. in football as well, actually. And you, know, you see a lot of young, actually Cole, I think was a striker for a long time. And then, you know, as he progressed through the youth ranks, it kind of shifted further and further back and ended up as a, as a fullback. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, all time favorites quickly on that, Michael time favorite uh, receivers. You're saying Lang- currently Landry, Landry over Beckham. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I looked, I was, I was writing about the Rams um, historically about football in LA and I was looking up El- Elroy Hirsch's career and his first year in the all American football conference, he was a halfback. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, he wasn't really moved out to what we'd now call wide receiver until he got to the Rams and Clark Shaughnessy. Um, and he threw 12 passes that year. Yeah, in and pretty pretty efficiently, you know, which is what they used to what what guys used to do. So um I, I always think it's it's a great play. And I was half expecting as as Dallas moved down the field, I was half expecting Kellen Moore to run through all three of those famous plays. Boise State ran. He wasn't the quarterback then, but Boise State ran against Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl, which included the flea flicker, and they ran two flea flickers in that game, old fashioned, you know, the real flea flicker, which is a downfield pass and, and then a lateral. Mm. Um, but they also ran a halfback option and they ran the Statue of Liberty play. Oh, the and, great, you know, and I was just thinking when Dak, when Dak took off on that, on that quarterback run, that they were trying to get in position to run one more trick play. Mm. Um, and that's what it was. It was going to be one of those three, you know, we'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah, it would have taken a lot of guts to run a statue of Liberty from the 24 yard line on the last play of the game. But there you go. Why don't you had it all in at that point? Well, look, since we've gone there, let's go there uh, and get into where you're putting the blame for how that game completely unraveled. Are you, cause I know you've been ranting against erratic, 
officials for well, the yeah, the season? I mean, is it on them? Is it on Dak? Is it on the line? Is it on the play call? Where I apologize. I apologize sincerely for any mistakes that might have happened. But <laughs> what I can tell you is that we should wait for Sue Gray's investigation <laughs> before we start laying the blame on, on who was responsible in Dallas. I know Jerry Jones has <laughs> has said he will be governed by what the investigation shows. But, um, you know, uh, I thought you, you had a weekend with six games, two of which were made controversial by referee. Um, now, in the Dallas game, I, I'm not blaming the referees because they were doing what they were supposed to do. They were on point uh, in, yeah, in that in that last se- sequence of downs. I mean, the whole business with Debo's Debo's last carry and the and the review and the you know, I, I go back to the idea that you you overturn a play if you have incontrovert incontrovertible mm. evidence to overturn it. When it takes you 15 minutes to examine the videos. It's hard <laughs> to argue that the evidence is incontrovertible. Um, and and that that just, you know, at, at some point you really want to bring football back and and take take video review and micrometers out out of it. Um the, the, the Cincinnati game, Cincinnati Vegas game was was a joke. With the, um, the whistle. And, so this is the whistle. So do yeah. you feel that the Raiders, at least a number of the Raiders players, stopped playing and no, it play. wasn't just a joke, the whole game. The oh, officiating the whole, the game. whole game was that, was, that touchdown in particular, because that's what the Raiders yeah. are particularly aggrieved about. So do you think that it had any actual bearing on the execution of the play? Not not really, no. Right. I, I think by when the whistle blew, the ball was in the air. Yeah. Um, Boyd was open. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have I made any difference. I it don't didn't. think, I mean, you could see the guy slowing up, the defender, you know, but he may have been slowing up because he was, I don't know. Um, he called straight away, didn't he? The interesting thing about it was he, it, it straight away, he was, he was pointing mouth, you know, mimic, yeah. you know, miming, yeah. oh, whistle, whistle. I heard the whistle. So that was interesting, but I don't know if that was just a reaction. As you say, he wouldn't have made no, it. No, I, I think, it, I think it was legit. You know, I just don't yeah. think he, he was there. And, and yes, you should see that, you know, you should be able to play that out. Um, and then the NFL, of course, made it worse by, Releasing a Walt Anderson statement, which was written about the way you would expect Walt Anderson to have said it if he was on the, on the field. That you know the whistle came after the catch, which which it blatantly didn't. <laughs> and, do you think? But, do you think what the NFL but, you know, should do? In that okay, let's get the Zap. I, Abram Zapruder should be put in, in in charge of NFL officiating. You know, Abram Abram Zapruder. Zapruder film JFK assassination, oh, okay. the whole the whole movie of the of the JFK assassination. You know, Walt, Walt Anderson. I, I feel for him being you know forced to kind of walk out there and stand in front of the firing squad and say, you know, there was your president is not a crook. You know, you know I was th- I was thinking with that. You know, th- this happened uh, once or twice. I've had a podcast playing on my on my phone and I've hit the. I've done this, mate. If you hit the you can speed or slow speed up or slow down the speed and it hits to like one and a half or two. <laughs> I've caught a few times. It's had like our pod on and me and you are suddenly in, in one and a half or double t- or even slowing it down is even funnier. <laughs> yeah. Slowing down me and you is funny. Uh, so maybe that's what they should my, do with. with yeah. Mark. My it's favorite just, moment was literally, you, you know, the umpire's name was judge, <laughs> which is Naturally. even better. But, but when he crashed into Dak, you know, it was four seconds basically took him to get up to where the ball was. Mm. And then he crashes into Zet to Dak and to, to Williams, who should have gone down because that's what he did the whole rest of the game every time somebody touched him. <laughs> I, I mean, that game, they could have thrown a flag literally on every play. 
that the Cowboys ran because either Williams or um, Lael Collins, Collins was holding. Um, mm. It was just they were completely outmatched, um, even when Bosa left left the game. And when Collins got the penalty on on the play that injured Bosa, he was he was he was false starting because he he took his kick step back before the snap. His first move was to Bosa's face, so his hands to the face. He then held Bosa, and he then pushed him down, <laughs> which resulted in in Bosa's head hit, being hit by his teammate's leg. So, you know, that's like four flags on one play. Mm. They, they could have they could have marched them back the 60 yards <laughs> just on that. What's but, the most um, flags ever been called on a play, Carson? <laughs> on one <laughs> player, I think that, two yeah. is, is the max. Um, <laughs> but, but um, you know, when 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 Judge ran into Dak and I, I said I thought that was really funny. Trevor Burke, uh, I think one of our listeners, one of my readers uh, came and said the umpire strikes Dak. <laughs> <laughs> which was a piece of absolute brilliance uh, to Trevor Chapeau to, to Trevor Burke. So why, what, what went on here? Yeah. Why um, were they so anemic? Why were the, why were the Cowboys the number one offense in the NFL? That was 23 of 43. Look confused. Uh, the hell confused for a lot of the game. Why were they so anemic? What did the 49ers get? So well, right? what, what surprised me a bit was that the Niners beat them up up front. The, their offensive line, like I said, Collins and Williams in particular, didn't play well. But Trayvon Smith, actually, a couple of times, he was leading high most of the game. Um, and, and what I mean is his hands were going up yeah. um, instead of into the into the chest and shoulder pads. They were going into the face quite a bit. Um, but that that was what surprised me. The loss, in a, in a way, because of that, because they were doing so well, the loss of Bosa wasn't really as important as the loss of Fred Warner mm. on the second level, because you, that's where you have to you really have to, especially in the fourth quarter, have somebody who knows what he's doing and is really quick. Um, the. The Cowboys defense adjusted pretty well. Um, they didn't get a great game out of Parsons inside. Uh, he was okay pass rushing. And Dan Quinn adjusted, so they were trying to take away the outside running because they it was outside zone. They were trying to force them into inside zone. And that worked pretty well apart from cutbacks, which is what it's designed to do. You know, you see Kyle Shanahan's father in, in lots of the stuff he does. And then Jimmy G melted down a bit in the fourth quarter. Um, Bagged up as well. He's got a shoulder injury. So I think that had something to do with yeah, it. Well, the thing with Jimmy is um, he's great at executing that offense. But when, when it comes down to having to hit, having to hit the drop back store to pass, he's not, that good. He, I mean, I understand why he missed um, the throw to Ayuk. Um, um, the announcer was was um, was all was all over it. Uh, Romo was all over yeah. it. Um, you know, because he he just expected him to be a little deeper out of the cut. Yeah, um, it was neither of them's fault. But but then he threw the terrible interception. Um, you know, he and and he just didn't seem in control but so was Dak had the same problem well he did exactly it's a great point and and and, and not I know Dak has faced some criticism but but you're absolutely right Jimmy G is is under fire for that and they're you know similar trajectories but do you think how much of that is is down to the lack of mental strength as the game is going on because it well, seems that's, to be the- you know once it gets you know once it gets into breakdown time usually Dak's very good in those situations yeah um I and you remember Jimmy, actually why Jimmy was it was regressing as the game went on yeah, I, you know, I, I thought in the Super Bowl that they lost to the Chiefs. I, I've made this mm. point a number of times. I thought they were just jobbed by the referees, mm. you know, and, and they didn't call a obvious helmet to helmet 
um, Neiman on on Jimmy G, uh, which I think affected his that final throw where he just yeah, missed yeah, Emmanuel yeah. Sanders. Right. You know, I think he was probably still groggy. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of other non calls or, or bad calls in that game. I thought they were badly badly done by the referees. Um, but I I, ju- I just think that it's 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 when. The, the the offense is so dependent on the play calling that it sometimes takes away from the quarterback the ability to control and improvise what's what's going on. Improvise, not necessarily, but you know, some teams depend on that. They depend right. on their quarterback's ability to create to out of mm-hmm. not least the Chiefs and the Packers. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. who have quarterbacks who do that. But, you know, Jimmy is an executor as opposed to a creator in, right. in that sense. And I think that and that's why the Patriots liked him. You know, that's what they saw in him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in, in their system, maybe he'd be a different quarterback, mm. uh, you know, in the drop back in a drop back, more drop back system. But, you know, go, going back to uh, the Cowboys and mm. Dak, it, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, Arizona did that trick to them of, of the leave the punting team on the field and, and the Cowboys burned a timeout. And I think they were thinking back to that and saying, we're going to fool San Francisco. The difference between the two teams was that San Francisco was prepared and the Cowboys weren't, mm. even though they were calling the play. And even though the clock got reset on that on um on that you know they switched balls when they realized the cowboys weren't going to punt mm-hmm. and they reset the clock from i think 14 to 25 so the cowboys literally got an extra nine or 11 seconds to go through all that stuff but they still left it too late mm. and you could argue that the whole DAC thing it, people say it's a stupid call and not i'm not i'm not i think you might have better calls you know the obvious one is just to throw a slant um and then go some people said well they could have taken two maybe three shots at the end zone but mm. when you're throwing from that distance it you know it it's it's it, are you going to hail mary because hail mary is anything can happen mm. um and and you you wind up losing the ball so so the idea of the call was good that's not good but it was okay that goes up the middle he he went from the four into the he gained 17 yards to the 24 from the 24 you can run a normal pass play or you can want a trick play like I was talking about before. But, and, and what it does, because he's going right up the middle, his offensive line can follow. His receivers aren't spread out around the field. Everybody can be there to line up and, and, and clock the ball. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> because he didn't, have the, he didn't have the calmness to take the ball and hand it to an official. Right. Nearest possible official who then gives it to the ump, who basically looks at the uh, side judge to see where where the ball spotted to make sure that he's putting it down in the right place checks you know if there's substitutions to give the defense time to substitute which is what happened on the punt on the punt play you know the the official stood there waiting to make sure the defense was set which by rule he's supposed to do you can call mm. the rule a little bit silly but but you know um and then they clock the ball and they've got one more play but they can run a normal play so i understood the the logic the logic of the play call, yeah. The simple yeah. thing was that Dallas didn't know what but to do. But none of them did. I mean, I know it's on Dak as the quarterback. What we've seen, and we were talking to Shane Marine earlier in the week and, and referenced, of course, the great Larry Fitz, and uh, that's what they needed, Larry Fitz, to come in and do it because it isn't necessarily on the quarterback. I mean, of course, you expect the quarterback as the leader of the team, the leader of the offense, to have 
that composure to know the rules, to know what needs to be done. But none of them, none of the none of the Cowboys were aware of seemingly of, of what they what needed no. to be done. So that that tells me that probably this wasn't a play they practiced. Right. Um, as a goal, as a late, late in the game kind of play. Um, and it may have been that Kellen Moore just had this idea because he saw the whole middle of the field was open um, and take it. But, uh, you know, it, it's just like when they tried to fool the 49ers, they, just, they were just sitting there looking at him, you know, on, on the punt play. Oh, yeah, they're doing that punt thing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. You guys all say, yeah, we're all set. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Dallas is like going crazy. And John Fossil's on the side. He's telling guys to stop and he's telling guys Fossil to go on the sidelines. Yeah. 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 Like, and, and one of my um, favorite, uh, favorite uh, coaches on the sidelines watching him through the game. You know, Fossil, I, I, Fossil I, Cam, Mike. What do you think about that? Just trained on him for the entire game. I, I'd watch yeah. It, they, they, they almost did. I like his nickname too, did. which is Bones. I'm, I'm, I don't know yes, why Jim yeah, Fossil. Yeah. I don't know why Jim Fossil never got called Bones, but um, maybe it took him a generation to realize they didn't pronounce it Fassel. Um, <laughs> hey, Mike, but, what do you think on the 49ers? If you take Debo out of this 49ers offense, are they still a playoff team? Um, probably not. Well, no. In this in this NFL, they are. <laughs> Because mm. <laughs> everybody's a playoff team. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it's gonna they're gonna go down to like the NCAA and have sixty four teams in in the Everyone's playoffs, in. even though there's only thirty two teams in the league. Um, you know, and and that that just starts me off on my expansion oh, rant. Let's you know, do it. The the eighth the seventeenth game to me did nobody any good. Um, it did eliminate a lot of the reasons to rest players in, in some cases, although it didn't necessarily have to, but what it did, the expansion of the playoffs, what it did, I'm not so worried about nine and eight teams getting in, you know, yeah. because even in the old system, you occasionally had an eight and eight team or seven even, and nine. even the seven and nine Seattle um, yeah. getting in. But what it did by taking away the second buy, you have an automatic mismatch from one of the games, the number two seed against the number seven seed. Mm. You know, the second best team by record, um, and, and people would argue in the AFC, possibly the best team, um, against a team that barely scrapes in, you know, even if it's the Eagles who rested their players in week, in week 18. <laughs> um, and and I, don't, I just don't like that at all. And, and what did we have? We had, we had blowouts in both of those games, right. you know, and, and predictable blowouts, although mm. not predictable enough for me to to take the Steelers, <laughs> to take uh, Kansas City giving 12 and a half. But well, that's they, rarely, another, they rarely get it. I mean, so that's, enough, that's another story. Yeah, because, you know, what you worry about in those situations are, are the same thing you worry about with the Eagles and Tampa. Their the game cover in the, when they, they in the, the game. playoffs was exactly like their game in the season. When they went up 28-7, they were up 31 nothing, and then Dropped they took their foot on, off, yeah, the off the pedal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in garbage time, everybody makes their statistics look better. Uh, yeah, and um, also Propo will tell us on Edge Rush, I'm sure, how how rare it is for the, for the Chiefs to cover a, a big spread, a double-digit spread. They typically don't do it. You know, it's one of the, the, the biggest myths around, but they, uh, they took care of that. So I get it for sure. And uh, I'm with you as well on the record. I don't have an issue with that. I think there's, there's a precedent there. And, I, and often we've seen, te- well, sometimes anyway, we've seen teams that have squeaked in winning their division with a 500 record or worse and actually win the wildcard game and are competitive in that game. So that's the fundamental difference. As you're saying yeah, that I mean, you know, games, it, they weren't competitive. This is the NFL and it's America. So more is always better and mm-hmm. more money is always better than anything else. Um, you know, I, I would love to see a breakdown of injuries and see if the extended season has created more injuries. This is a, it's a tough season to do that because you've also got COVID 
you know, um, the COVID list affecting teams, right? Which is be, which is beyond anybody's control. Obviously, um, you do. Why, why you, did the Bucks leave Brady and, and the starters in for so? Brady long, doesn't like to come out. Brady's forty four years old. He's still acting like you know, like a rookie who's just got his first chance. And he's not going to leave the field because right. the guy, the guy who comes in, might take his job. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, you know, I don't know the cynics. Yeah. yeah, the Brady haters would say he does it because he wants to. He the wants records. to puff up his stats. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's and not just a Brady of, though. A lot of the starters. A there's a white. lot of them around. You know, they they just Brady they, haters. Brady haters. You know, the luckiest quarterback of all time. Uh, um, you nice. know, and and at some point you have to accept that luck is luck is the residue of design. You know, and and, <laughs> right. and um, take take that away. But but I think he just it's just it's simply because he he he. You know, I argued a couple of weeks ago that given given the way his receiving core had changed, it made sense for him to stay. Yes, there. right. Um, you get know, that to, rhythm. To, to kind of get a rhythm with the with this new group of players. Great point. Um, but at this stage, I argue, and I do this a lot. You you actually it doesn't hurt you to give your backup some reps because there's always the chance of the quarterback getting hurt, and you don't want to leave him in to risk his yeah, getting hurt. Risk, well, that's the main thing for me, especially yeah, with Worf's out. Yes, right. Exactly. They was good. They were. That was where the really the Eagles made the most hay. Really, was was on the line and getting through and and getting to Brady and you know particularly because of that it was it was it was a, a real head scratcher that they were keeping him in with the line banged up. Just on back to the receiving point. It's a great point you make, Mike. And I heard we were talking about this on. We did. We were lucky enough to have that as our live game on Sunday. That was <laughs> the feed went down, Mike, and it didn't matter. Phoebe and I were just talking about anything, <laughs> anything else we could. Uh, yeah. Well, there's no choice. That's the other thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> when you get else. these bad games in the playoffs, you you're can't switch over to another game. And you're hyping them up, just trying to find anything to. Uh, in the end, we gave up hyping it up. I tried at half time to put the case for the Eagles getting back into it. By the five minutes into the third quarter, we were done. We were done with that one. But the. Uh, the, one of the things we, we talked about, and I'm really keen to get your perspective on it, is in the build-up to the game, obviously with Godwin and Brown out, I heard uh, on at least one show, and I think I read a column putting across the same argument, which was Brady's got, we've talked a lot about Brady needing to trust his receivers, right? It's a, a common thing. Brady's got to trust his receivers. Yep. But the argument that's being put forward was that Brady's got to rethink his going to his favorites all the time because with Brown and Goblin out and therefore it's becomes more obvious that he's going to go to Evans, going to go to Grock. This is the argument that's being put forward. He's got to tear all that up and, and take a leap of faith with these unknown receivers. Now I, I don't follow that because the, or don't agree with it certainly because it's not that he doesn't trust the unknown receivers. It's not the status the, the implication was he is a quarterback that only goes to the big name players on his side, right? Where actually it's, it's, you can be, a practice squad guy that gets called up. And if Brady targets you and you make the play, he's going to target you again because you've earned his trust. It doesn't matter whether you've got a $30 million contract, right? There's a, there's a difference there. Yeah. It, it is a question of trust and reputation doesn't, doesn't necessarily affect it. You remember the end of one season, they brought Michael Floyd in from Arizona and Floyd's first game. He not only made a goal line catch where he backed in from about four yards out, taking defenders with him, but he also made a tremendous block to set somebody else free for a long touchdown pass. The next week, Brady threw to him on a slant over the middle and he dropped the ball. And not only did he never target him again, but he did, he was then inactive for the rest of the, the, the playoffs. <laughs> from him again. You know, and, and, and that was it, you know, and maybe he'd run the wrong, the wrong route or run it badly or whatever, but that was it. I thought Troy Aikman was brilliant when he was talking about Johnson. 
on that first pass that they missed where he throttled down in Aikman's words, which are exactly the right words. As he knows, the, as he sees the ball might be coming to him, he slows down a step. Mm. And Brady's throwing to where he thinks he's going to be. And instead of catching it easily in stride, he had to stretch for it and, and it went off his hands. At that point, I was thinking to myself, well, that's him gone for the day. <laughs> right. But Brady went back to him. And although he did keep throttling down, and once Aikman had said it, you watched watched for it, and he did keep doing that, but either Brady adjusted or, you know, or or he did it, but they completed, you know, a couple of passes to him, um, which turned out to be key gains. And and Mm. I thought, yeah, that's, that's Brady realizing that he can't, his circle of trust has to expand a little bit. You know, now he knows that Evans is a money player. He knows that Gronk is a money player. So that's why he's going to go to them. And you'll see it as the game, you know, when it gets more crucial, that's where he wants to go. But he also knows defenses know that too. So, you know, Bray, OJ Howard. Um, Camera Bray. They, they, can, they can get, if Fournette comes back um, next week, they threw a lot to Fournette out of the mm. backfield. Um, and that changes, you know, Jones isn't really a great receiver. And I, I actually like the way yeah, that Yeah, but they, as well out of the backfield. Yeah, that's the way they used Gio Bernard. Yeah. You know, they basically had Vaughn and Bernard, and Vaughn ran pretty well. And Bernard, they used as a classic third down back. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I think they just Scotty Miller had a great game on uh, doing other other things, <laughs> you know, pun coverage, stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm surprised mm. that they haven't gone to Miller in the in the classic slot role, um, you know, and some I think in commentary, one of them said he looks so much like Wes Welker. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the melanin level is pretty much the same. I don't think he looks it's like Wes Welker. Easy analogy to make, <laughs> but but um, to make, I should say. but yeah, but that you know, I, you would think that they would kind of go go to that a little bit more at at some point. Mm. Um, but you know, Evans had a great game. He's very hard to cover. He's hard to double because the guy behind him isn't going to really affect him that much. You know. Um, Right, but a different problem. In other words, if, you, about- if you've got a safety behind him and Brady throws the ball, Evans is so big, right, that the guy behind him has his work cut out it, for right. him to, you know, to to, to break, know, break up the pass. Yeah, yeah. The well, let's flip this to onto the Rams Bucks matchup then, and look at that in particular because despite the deficiencies in the uh, uh, the lightness in depth, uh, in theoretically anyway, with the Bucks receiving core, they didn't have any problem with. Philly, but this is an altogether different defense with the Rams, right? And we'll talk about yeah. the front in a minute, but further back, how do you see that playing out? What do you think will be the Bucks' offensive strategy uh, in terms of targeting which receivers you think they'll target given how prolific that Buck, that Rams secondary is? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, this this is like a rematch of um, Super, Super Bowl uh, in Atlanta, 13 to three game um, <laughs> where, you know, uh, right, but I'm not. I'm not convinced Tampa's day will be will uh, will break down. Uh, it's a it's a great, is and the, I think that's is really the Rams to me D the is, gig. is it better, Mike, than now than it was then? Would you say the Rams D? No, I I, I actually don't think so. Apart from, you know, um, that they've got the star factor in there, mm. but I but I'm not sure that that either scheme wise or or you know player for player wise, it's a it's a better defense. Um, I I think. The Jalen Ram, they probably take Jalen Ramsey to take Mike Evans out of the game. Right. Um, 
you know, it's always questionable what teams do. But like what I was saying about doubling Evans, um, I think doubling Evans is is a, is a mugs game, and and so trust Jalen Ramsey to work on him one on one, and don't worry too much about his, him beating you deep. Uh, in, in the in the middle, the rest of it, I think I think they'll try the they'll try to break Brady Brady with the rush. And there's another factor as well. I, I think you'll see a lot of man coverage from them because Brady's not as good at man coverage as he is at zone. Um, when you play zone, he reads he reads where you are and he knows who's likely to be open in the hole in the zone, you know, or whereas when it's man coverage, if he can't spot the obvious mismatch, and that's what the Patriots did in that game in the final winning drive, they, they ran the same play four times out of different formations. Each time Brady got the mismatch, you know, took the mismatch until they got Gronk on a linebacker and then they got the big game. Um, but when you're man to man, the receivers have to beat you for Brady to be able to get to them. And it's not, the receiving core that it was so that you're going to have fewer receivers beating your defensive backs because they're just not, you know, they're just not at the same level. So that's, if it were me, that's what I'd be doing. That's what I'd Mm. be doing. Um, A lot of rush man coverage, which, which gives you more opportunity um, to, uh, to bring Von Miller out of that, you know, and, and because Tampa will have, Tampa will have to cope with man coverage by spreading things out a bit more. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing Tampa can try to do is throw under to backs, Mm. you know, and and run the ball. Uh, Worfs to me is really crucial. There's a couple of games here that right now I would not call until I see what the injury reports are. The status of, yeah. Yeah. In in that battle in the trenches, because as we, as we well know, a way to get to Brady anyway, to knock him off his rhythm is through the middle of the line, right? As opposed to coming. Which is Aaron Donald. You know, one of the keys to that Super Bowl was, People don't really talk about. Um, but if you watch the NFL films version of it, you know, you see Donald on the on the bench toward the end of the game saying, you know, I, you know, it's my fault. You know, they've single blocked me, you know, I've, and Joe Tooney. It was Joe Tooney who basically single blocked him most of the game. Yeah. If you can single block Donald, that everything else falls apart because normally you're always doubling him. And somebody else, which takes means somebody yeah. else has to be free. You know, Von yeah. Von Miller should be feasting on that on the yeah. side. But yeah, Brady doesn't like the rush up the middle. Ask OC, OC about that. You know, mm. that's how the, the Giants. Um, you know, I said, yeah, when I was watching that game, what I was noticing was Tuck in particular. They were coming up the middle, and his hands, his arms were out to the inside, regardless of what the blocker was doing. His ar- inside arm was always out. As if he was, you know, just trying to block that step up that Brady wants to take. You know, yes. was, was that the plan? And OC kind of, you know, <laughs> well, you know, you know like, close it's okay. It's eight years ago. You can tell me that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, you're not going to ruin. You're not going to ruin it for <laughs> for Spags. You know, next next week. You know, but you know that 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 to me is is the the focus. Um, the focus for the Rams. And what about the other side of the ball? The the Rams and, you know, Stafford, of course, everybody was writing him off. And then some, <laughs> the I, I may be revising my worst quarterback sneakers ever. <laughs> oh, Matt. I, yeah. I was amazed that they took all that time to review it and then gave him a touchdown <laughs> on that second quarterback sneak. I, I thought a fourth down was, was the, was the correct <laughs> decision. I think what that. had happened is somebody sent in your Patreon column of the worst quarterback sneakers of all time. <laughs> and that forced them to change their decision. They, they wanted to give him the yeah, I mean, you know, what what they did was was good 
and they did it. They were able to do it because they were in the lead. And and McVay, unlike Kyle Shanahan, say in that twenty eight three lead in the Super Bowl, you know, McVay basically kept the ball on the ground a lot to to eat clock when he had the lead. You know, the key play in that game, obviously, it was Kyler Murray turning into Carson Wentz in the in the end zone when he when he was about to get tackled and, and yeah. long long getting the touchdown. That changed the whole balance of the game. Um, and now Arizona's playing catch up. The Rams can protect the lead. They still have, I mean, Cup, I don't know when did he catch his first pass, but you know, most of his production was late in the in the game. In the yeah. game. Um, but that, that was great. That was enough to um because they were all kind of like sure, sure plays. That it was enough to um to keep Arizona on the back foot. And so, you know. I hate to just say, oh, you know, first team scores. McVay's never lost a game until this, the 49ers last week, you know, the week before the playoffs. He had never lost a game where he led at halftime. Right. In, you know, in his head coaching career. Um, and there's a reason for that, you know, um, because you can take you take a team out of its normal you play, you make them play left-handed as, as the say the saying goes. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened to the Patriots, for example, though, you know, in the last four weeks of the season and the playoffs, they, they went behind early in every Pacing game games and they're, and they, they're not built to play catch up. Yeah. 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 Um, just my the stat that jumped out at me uh, and I'm just interested in how this projects to this Rams offense against the a re-up Bucks D, right? I mean, still a couple of issues in the secondary, but generally they're a lot healthier uh, in the playoffs. And that was, very evident in, in how they were swarming the ground game and hurts and just didn't let him go. And the speed of White and David was was apparent from, from early doors in, in that game. Stafford against the Blitz, uh, this is against the Arizona Blitz, was al- almost perfect. Seven of nine, 148 yards, a touchdown and a pass rating of 155.8. So Stafford against the Blitz, is that something that you've noticed throughout his career that he's been particularly effective against or is that an ex, you know exceptional performance from him in that respect um again i i think that because he only threw 17 times and, mm. and because situationally he wasn't having to go go for it you know most of his career he's been playing in situations Up where they have, they have to pass they're, yeah they're, he often was playing from behind um so he was going to be blitzed a lot no, yeah. no i've i've not noticed that you know as i don't I don't think it's a it's a it's a career long characteristic of Stafford. I don't think Tampa will blitz a lot because they don't blitz right. a lot. Bulls doesn't have to. Um, he's he'll rely on a four man rush. Rush. Um, he's got a couple. You know, he's got Shaq Barrett and uh, JPP and and whatever. And he'll play a lot of um, Nick. They they play most of the game in nickel because David um david and white cover so much ground i mean yeah that that was the key to the super bowl the, there were in the super bowl win over kansas city they didn't have to blitz because kansas city had backup tackles at both at both sides and they ate them up and they mm. knew they were going to eat them up and i knew they were going to eat them up which is why i picked, picked the bucks in the game but they also had david and white who cut off the backfield passing game because they are so quick and cover so much ground. So mm. as two inside linebackers, they were able to take those diagonals to the sidelines when this back is swinging out of the backfield or trying to run a wheel route down, down the sideline um, or trying to set up a screen. They were all over that. Um, and that's going to be the problem, I think, for, for the Rams. Um 
it the, the good matchup for the Rams is getting downfield mm. because the weakness of of the Bucks is their secondary, um, particularly the at corner. Um, they're not top, you know, not top flight corners. They they can give away a lot of penalties as well. Um, the strength in the secondary is is really the hitting from Whitehead and and uh, Winfield. Mm-hmm. Um, God, Whitehead is a missile. <laughs> oh, well, Winfield as well. The Winfield yeah, taking down. They were playing Whitehead in the box a lot, and and so therefore he was doing that linebacker thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was getting out, like cutting through, cutting through blocking, and getting to screen passes and things like that. And, oh, um, formidable yeah. speed. So, so I think that's going to be the most, probably the most, the most interesting matchup. You know, is can Stafford get downfield? You know, if and and if he tries to get downfield, does he depend on Cooper Cup? You know, does does Bowles try to take Cooper Cup away, or is he is he going to be content to sit back and just and just see what happens with with Cup because he's not that worried about Dan Jefferson, um, you know, or any anybody else. Um, you know, Higby. Um, Higby's been there, his second weapon, basically. Acres is Acres is good to have back because Acres is the kind of back that Sean McVay um, prefers mm. in that in that role um, because he he he's a guy who run can run pass routes. Michelle's not a great great receiver. He can catch the ball, but he's not a great receiver. Acres you can send downfield on a yeah you know, out of the backfield and five yard out, and you know that he's going to run the route to be there at, at five yards and catch it. So that to me is is the biggest thing in the Rams' favor. Let's get your take on the 49ers Packers. Where is that game going to be won and lost, Mike? Up front, and like most games, um, if Nick Bosa is not there, but I, I kind of suspect that he and Hendrickson will both be cleared to play. Um, they both went out with concussion. Concussion protocol, right? Yeah. Right. And and in Bosa's case, it looked more like whiplash than than concussion. Um, I, I suspect they'll be back. If Hendrickson's not back, it hurts the Bengals more than more than uh, Bosa does. But but Bosa's a huge loss. Mm. Um, the the. The obvious problem always with the Packers is that you can do everything right and Rodgers still beats you. Um, Mahomes, you know, I keep saying, I've been saying this for three years, you know, Aaron Rodgers was Patrick Mahomes before there was Patrick Mahomes. Um, and he doesn't mm-hmm. run as much, but when he has to, he does. So that that to me, I, I, I can't see, I can't see San Francisco messing them up enough to front. To take that take that game, um, Bakhtiari's back, of course. Bakhtiari's is- back, which helps them. Um, and my only question is, Joe Barry's defense has been very reactive in the sense of sitting back. You know, where where Mike Pettin's defense was very aggressive. They would they would come at you with strange blitzes and stuff like that almost randomly. It was almost like he was trying to guess what play you were going to run. He was going to kind of blitz to to cancel that play, um, and he guessed wrong a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Barry is more kind of classic play zone, sit back, um, you know, react, react yeah. to what they're doing. That's the kind of thing Shanahan will, will like to try to eat up. Um, you know, if you don't clog the middle, you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, Kittle was very quiet last last week. Um, and Why? Why was that? That's a good. That's a good question. <laughs> um, and without looking at the game again, I can't really answer it now. Because um, you know, you just you just didn't see him on on the crossing. Which he was open on one. He was open on that horrible play Jimmy made when he when he threw the ball back 
to a screen that was being set up. But Kittle, who was a deep option there, I know he was under pressure, so he might not. That's why he didn't see it. But mm. Kittle was wide open. He'd, he'd run a, his slant and then go. Um, and he was wide open on that. I, I, and I think um, um, I keep getting confused as to whether it was eight minute Romo doing the game, but he pointed it out. So Romo was doing that one. Yeah. yeah Romo saw it right away and, and pointed that out. And, um, and one, one catch is all Kittle had. Yeah. Three yeah. and three targets as well. I mean, it, I mean, credit to the Cowboys. Who, who took yeah, him out I, of the game. I think, I think they, they, they did a good job at clogging that middle, but, mm. but that meant that's why they, that's why they were able to run the ball more. You asked about whether they could win without Debo. Yeah. If they had a couple of their running backs back, um, you know, if more than just Elias, Elijah Mitchell, they'd have a pretty good chance. Um, um, I kept reminding myself, I think Debo and DK Metcalf were both available when the Patriots drafted Nikhil Harry oh, in, gosh, in the first yeah, round, yeah, but yeah. that's, that's, let's not go back to that. Um, 7.2 you know, a carry, by the way, Debo had. It, yeah. It, and, it, and, you know, he and Cord- Cordero are kind of different situations. Cordero's actually playing running back for the Falcons, yeah, like yeah. he did for the Patriots when they, when they needed him to. Well, Debo started there, right? I mean, that's- well, Debo's playing wide receiver. They just line him up in the backfield a lot mm. <laughs> and use him like a running back. But, you know, yeah. but he's playing, he's playing receiver um, primarily. Mm. And, and he's a great running back, you know, especially for that one cut kind of system. Mm-hmm. You know, his vision, his vision is unbelievable. It's the same with Patterson. Patterson's a great kick returner because his vision's so good and he's big and strong like Debo. So both of them can break that first tackle when the guy is misdirected. You know, when 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 they see that gap and break for it, the guy who's closest to the gap is usually then going to be diving into it to try to stop them. But he's not going to be set up for a good tackle. And mm-hmm. they break that easily because they're both so big and strong. Right. And, and that's what you see his vision on the, the one he went for a touchdown. That's that's real peripheral. Um, he's going left. And he sees the way the blocking's going, and he sees that there's going to be an alley far to the right, and makes his break and gets there. Um, and that's extraordinary to do that. The speed that he's yeah, rolling at it's incredible. Yeah, because you to get to the corner, you have to beat everybody pursuing, obviously. But but mm. um, but the vision is 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 the big thing. And then of course he's really effective as a receiver, obviously, with yards after catch. We have two statistics that are both yak. Mm. One is yards after contact and one is yards after catch. And when you look at like the 49ers, the yards after the catch are generally uncontacted yards. I mean, sometimes they are. And he breaks that first tackle again after he makes it. But basically, it's designed if you hit that guy in stride, it's designed for Debo or or Ayuk or uh, Kittle running that deep slant to be open, you know, to have a step on the receiver. If you hit him in stride, nobody touches him. It's Jerry Rice and the original West coast offense, you know, yeah, yeah. and that, and, and that's where Shanahan's father came from, you know, right. Of course. Mike yeah. Shanahan was with the 49 and then he yeah. went to, to Denver and he, you know, he put his own thing in and he had Alex Gibbs teaching everybody to chop block and <laughs> injure the other team's defensive linemen. And, you know, they rode that, they rode that a long way. He, he, he created thousand yard rushers. You know, people talk about Elijah Mitchell. He's got a lot of talent, you know, and I was I was another one who was surprised he went so late in the draft, especially after he ran like a fourth. I think it was a four, three, five, 40, you know, in, in his pro day. Mm. Um, 
But, you know, think of like Mike Anderson, guys like that in Denver who, who had thousand yard seasons. You know, they, they would just pick them up out of nowhere, you know, but but what they were looking for was someone who had a bit of vision and could make that one cut decisively with acceleration and get through it. That's a, that's Terrell Davis. That's their whole, you know, their whole offensive system was zone zone blocking and cut behind it. And yeah, and that, that's what the 49ers do really well. I mean, I, I think Green Bay are justifiable favorites there, um, especially at home. And um, yeah, the question, I think they're, they're getting, they're also getting some of their rush. I think Zedaria Smith is back, um, you know, which which will make life a little bit more difficult for Garoppolo. Mm. Um, and Jair Alexander's back as well, I think. Uh, so yeah, yes. so you know that that's it's trend it's trending in favor of mm. of Green Bay. But I mean, the interesting thing now at this stage that we've gotten rid of the chaff um, and we're back to kind of normal normal playoff action resumed is that there is no outstanding team here you know, actually in either conference. And therefore you can make a case for any of the teams advancing to the next round. Yeah. I mean, for, there, the whole be, thing you can make a case. Yeah. Like. There, there'll be some justifiable favorites and all, but, but, you know, there's no team in here that you think, well, that's an automatic, that's an automatic win. You know, right. um, people downgrade Tennessee, but Tennessee pays Tennessee's like the opposite of Dallas. They play great situational football. You know, and this Vrabel never coached under Belichick, so they don't include him in the coaching tree. Mm-hmm. But he's absorbed that lesson. Oh, we were Shane Vereen and I were talking about that only yesterday. I'm like exactly oh. that. Why are uh, they? Why do you feel that they're under the radar? Uh, is it well because, because there's no star? Market? There's no star power there. They're a lot like Pittsburgh, except that Ryan Tannehill can move and Ben Roethlisberger can't, <laughs> and Tannehill can throw the deep ball and Ben right. can only do that twice a game or so. Or so. Right. Um, but you, you know that. The defense, the defense doesn't have the star power that Pittsburgh does, but Simmons is a beast in the middle of the line. He's one of the best players in the NFL, maybe the most overlooked uh, great player in in the NFL. Mm. They play smart football at you know um, on both sides of the line, and they do have a really good receiver co- receiving core when they're all healthy. Yeah, you know, sure. When when Brown when Brown is in, they're a really effective passing team. And they were surprisingly good with the run by running back by committee. Yeah. Now, Derrick Henry will probably be back for this game, but that may not make that much of a difference. Um, you know, because I think one of the reasons they were so good was that they got away from depending on those first and second down runs all the time mm-hmm. and mixing it up, being a more balanced offensive team. Mm. And Henry would be that classic kind of thing. He's immensely hard to stop. And, you know, and the 49ers are great because they, on first down, they get eight yards all the mm. time. And, and Shanahan was willing in that game. It was willing. He was willing to sacrifice that a little bit. He, he was running into the middle of the line on first down a lot, simply to lull, I think, to lull the defense so that then they could run the big play action play. Oh, and it worked. Yeah, but, right. But but with Tennessee, they would run Henry a couple of times. It would be third and short, and then they and then Henry was good for one breakout run at least this is each it. game. That's you the know, big difference is when he wear it? when he wears you down. When they're like in the fourth. Yeah, quarter. I'd like to see them not depend on Henry from the start of the game mm. and see how that goes. Um, and if they then if they get a lead, <laughs> everybody wants to be in yeah. this show. <laughs> yeah. And and if they get a, if they get a lead, um then you start running Henry 
to, to sit on the lead, you know, which is, which is what the running game is about, you know, passing when passing gets your leads and then running keeps the leads, you know, makes it harder for the other team to, to catch up. Everybody says, Oh, you get, you know, hundred yard game. We win this one. They, you get the hundred yard games because you tend to have the lead and therefore you're willing to run the ball more. Right. Um, you know, that it's kind of a, a mistake and a, a mistake of cause and effect. Yes. Um, but, but yeah, I'm so I, I like, I like them a lot, you know, and I, I really, I think Rabel's got to be the coach of the year. Yeah. 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 I you know, uh, couldn't agree more. Um, I, mean, I know you were pushing Cliff Kingsbury back in week. <laughs> three, but, but, yeah, um, now let's be fair yeah. about this. I've been pushing Rabel for a long time, but Kingsbury. And Ty- Tyler Munchkin for yeah. player of the year. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, I am, Mike. I pushed, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to speak to Decipher Sport to try and get this footage right. So Decipher shot film at the first London game this year, right? So whatever that was, week four, I think, week four, week five. And a series of all these, you know, fire rapid fire questions. And one of them was, breakout player of the year. And this is week four of the season. So who the hell knows, right? I uh, I, I, I had, I think I had, looking back at what I said on the, to the answers I gave to different questions, Kyle Pitts, you remember Kyle Pitts came into the game under fire already because he was this high profile first rounder and, oh, it's Kyle Pitts a bust and all this nonsense. And I said, oh, Kyle Pitts is going to be fine. But breakout player of the year, I said, Devin Singletary, which looked like a bit of a bu- <laughs> little bit of a bust. That was a great. That's a great call. Hey, and now it's suddenly a great call. He's, he's another. He's another talent, really talented back, right? Um, who um, just need, needs to needs to be the guy. And and I loved the way that Buffalo. And I know you you must have talked about yeah. this with Shane, obviously. But you know, Buffalo never took their foot off the pedal, and they didn't really have to because they could run the ball. You know, and and the Patriots just looked. I, I said to someone, you know, there should be ice on the on the ground because the Patriots look like seals who've been trapped on the ice, and they've got a herd of polar bears running after them. <laughs> and, and you know, and, and, and you know, it's it's like <laughs> it was it was it was ugly. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, just to get get your take on that quick, and because a couple of mailbag questions, I want to talk to you about Mayock. The Mayock, you might Mayock news that broke overnight as well. The uh, the Patriots are going to look at that, obviously frustrated at the manner of defeat, but think overall, big step forward this season, and they're going to be... Well, it, to the next yeah, season. it was a step forward for sure. Um, I, and Matt Jones, you know, everyone puts him down because those last four games, they didn't, you know, they only won one. And that's not his fault, really. He, you know, he was limited in what he could do, partly because they tried to limit him. You know, mm. and 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 the question of his downfield arm strength will still be a you know Micah Hyde's play, a guy with a, a much stronger arm could have led Aguilar, and and then maybe Aguilar makes the catch. Interesting, um, yeah. And yeah. people saying Aguilar should have gone for the ball. Well, you know, he's almost dropping at the time because he's he's got his hands where the ball is going to be. Yeah, and it's not going to be in front of him. It's going to be you know in his bread basket. So it's it's not a bad throw by any means. And Hyde just comes out, you know, Hyde made it the play of the weekend. It's one of the plays of the season, really. Yeah. yeah, I was, I'm watching it. And as the ball's in the air, I'm thinking, okay, we've got a game. Finally, finally signs of life from New England. It's going to be seven, seven. And then all, and then even when he went through it, I didn't realize he'd got it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it it was so unlikely that he was going to actually get the ball as he dove across. Um, that, That was a brilliant play. So I think right now the Patriots were horrible coming out of the break. Uh, the the bye week they had the late bye week yeah they fell behind two teams Buffalo and Indy that that are very quick defensively um, 
and also can run the ball. Uh, Josh Allen became the running. You know, he was there, Jonathan Taylor. No, no disrespect to Singletary, but their primary run weapon is is um, Josh Allen. They they ran a lot of basic single wing in in that in both games against New England. Um, the Patriots free agency spree was hit was kind of mostly successful, but Judon was not a factor coming out of the break in the last four games. Tough game as well. He looked kind of slow. Um, Most of the team looked very slow um, offensively and defensively. Yeah. I still question. I had a long argument on Twitter with some Patriots fans. You know, if it were me, I would have moved Trent Brown to left tackle and played on when at right tackle and not played Justin Heron at at left tackle. I'm not sure that's a major factor, but that's just me. Mm. But I I think a bunch of the old guys are going to have to go. Um, Hightower didn't come back looking. Actually, he did at the beginning of the season, but, you know, it's now an 18-week season. Yeah. It showed, you know, they were tired going into the bye week, and I think they didn't wake up coming out of coming out of it. It was like they went into hibernation. Um, Towers, Hightower's been a great player, really another underlooked great player. Um, you know, McCourty, um, people are talking about Michael Slater, um, you know, Matthew oh, Slater, sorry. I can't um, imagine him. Yeah, a Patriots you know, team without um, Slater, right? Van Noy, do you think, will come back? Van Noy's on the on a bubble there. I think, you know, he's he's still active, but but he he's not so much an impact player as a, um, what would you call it? A, a Jack, um, a Swiss Army knife. A utility guy, yeah. His his value is is because he can be on the field for all three downs in any role. He's not great at any role, but he's good mm. at all of them. So he can mm. rush a bit. He can he can you know um, run stop a bit. You know, it, and that kid, that's an advantage in the Patriots system because mm. they don't have to switch personnel. Um, you know, it's Mike. I was thinking about the Gilmore deal, and we, I know we talked about it earlier in the season. But the argument for it if being done is it, it well, yeah, because it gets cons- oh, it's consistent, of course. Belichick, you know, sells high. He's always done that, but then. If you look at how they operate in the offseason, that was against type, right? You know, the, the amount of money at Happerly well, they were in free agency if, and, if, and in the draft. You think of well, guys so. like Lawyer Malloy and stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like it's my way or the highway, basically. But um, the point I get it, and that's always been the way. But the rationale for, for that's why they moved him on. Well, Belichick's always operated. He that didn't way. get much for He's him. Rarely spent, you know, he didn't, didn't so get much for him. He and sold think, low in this case. Didn't um, get but much they weren't going to, they weren't going to get anything for him if he didn't play. And they weren't going to get anything for him when his contract was up. I, um, well, sure. I get that. I just, so I that, just, think, but yeah, I think they might've been better with Gilmore. Play. Well, they would have been Gilmore better with Gilmore playing, especially after Jones got hurt, you know, mm. so they were down a corner and, um, Jalen Mills is a good football player, but he's also five foot nine, and and that's a, a liability. Um, I don't think J.C. Jackson is actually as good as the interceptions make him look. Mm. Um, not that he's bad by any by any means, and he's going to be a free agent. They've got, you know, they've got some some real Holster, questions yeah, um, in in retaining personnel, which is why I think some of those guys. I also don't think. I think their line was flattered by playing teams with not so great defenses in, in that seven game winning streak. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tennessee being the kind of exception, but um, they, they, they never, they, they're supposed to be a power blocking line, but 
but they're not, when you look across man for man, the five guys on the line, they're three-fifths maybe a power blocking line and two-fifths more, more finesse, uh, which is kind of why I'd like to see on when you in there. Um, mm. You know, guys like Isaiah Wynn, mm-hmm. there's going to be a big question because he's a good player, but he's a player who's been hurt. He's never played a complete season. So can you afford to keep him at mm. the price that he's going to, going to want? Or do you let him? Do you let him go? Um, so I think they've got another rebuilding year. I thought last, seven and nine, they were probably that was probably a good coaching job by Belichick, and they were only a couple of plays away from being nine and seven. Yeah, this year they're ten and eight. They were a couple of plays away from being eleven and seven, say. But that's kind of the level. Uh, sorry, eleven and six. They that's kind of the level they were at. No, you're right. Six. Eleven and seven. Eleven and six might have been. Back eleven and six. Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. right. First time. They they yeah, should yeah. have won that the opening game against Miami, and that mm. you know that that the fumble by Damian Harris when they had the game lined up to win was inexcusable. Mm. Um, so that that kind of is the the way I look at it. You know, you are what your record says you are. That that's probably about right for them. For the Pats, um, yeah. Yeah, rookie quarterbacks have a tough time in the playoffs. We know that. Uh, history tells us that. So, you know, I, I think uh, I, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised Bill's going to stay on because I don't think he's ever going to. He's going to be like George House. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I hope he never retires. Just on Mike Mayock, that story quickly, Mike, before we get out of Dodge, the Raiders GM three years and done. Uh, playoff side. I know that obviously they've been a, a team well, that has had a number of hits and misses in the, certainly in terms of that's putting it mildly yeah you, you have you have to think in fairness to mike mayock the best guess that i had would be that the high picks tend to be john gruden and then the low picks tend to be mayock doing what mayock does interesting and they done they've done pretty well with with some of the lower picks yeah um, which is the case where you're throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks mm-hmm. you know and so oh this guy's got some good potential you know or this guy's got some good traits we can coach him up or you know Let's he'll be see. okay yeah I, I get the feeling that the high picks were more of a gruden kind of kind of decision because they've got um, a few reaches weren't they like Cleveland farrell for example yeah and, i want this guy because gruden yeah. falls in love with guys that's yeah. that's what that's what always happens um leather leatherhead um yeah in uh, last year's draft, the same thing. Now they turned, they, you know, I thought they'd come out. Okay. Cause they got more in the second round, but, but he, um, he kind of disappointed as a rookie, but I, I still think he'll be a good player. I, I, I'm not surprised. Mayock went. I, w- I was surprised. Mayock didn't go earlier. Um, mm. Which says to me, they don't want him involved in the coaching search. Yeah. And it's very interesting that they've asked the Patriots to, interview Dave Ziegler, who's their latest personnel guy. He replaced Nick Casario, basically. Um, and they've also asked to interview Jared Mayo, who's not even the defensive coordinator. He's kind of yeah. like a co- inside linebacker coordinator. Coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, someone was talking about D'Amico Ryans, mm. who's done, I think, a really good job in San Francisco. Um, you know, their defense was better than it was under Robert Salah. Um, oh, that's a big call. And he doesn't seem to be getting any. Yeah, that's any, interesting. Any he doesn't attention. actually. Does he? He's you know? not getting I mean, much the kid, in, the kid in Philadelphia was, and that doesn't really make much sense um, to me. I mean, so Mayo going you know, curtains for for Big Rich? Then you think? I I think so. I I I just can't see them sticking with him. Um, he gets he should get a lot of credit for 
steadying that team. Big time. Um, I'd be surprised a little bit if they go for a defensive guy. You know, um, how do how do you put it? You know, what you see, Derek Carr. It's a lot like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and and you know, they did some strange things. Um, nobody's made a big deal about Carr spiking the ball on fir- on first down when they were down by the goal line. Yeah. Um, and again, that's not Derek necessarily Derek Carr's fault, but you know, you would think they have plays that he can call at the line of scrimmage. You know, quick out, whatever. You know, signal signal to his receivers when if he throws incomplete. At least you've had a play, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, at least yeah. you've had a shot at it. You might have yeah. gained some yardage. Yeah. Um, it made it made no sense to me. Um, and and you know, I, I would not throw away a play to save uh, what three seconds? Three seconds. If you've right. got the team lined up, you might as well run a play. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the it's like it's like teams that don't seem to have two plays called in the huddle in mm. the fourth quarter. You know, this goes back to when I was in high school, much less college playing, you know quarterback would go okay two plays you know if the first play is incomplete come back to the huddle if it if we complete we're going to run this on the right second, on the right. second play um you know and on and then you know on 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 two say you know this one and then the quarterback would say this one on one the second one on two okay everybody got it you know look around when i was in college oh, what was we the first a, one <laughs> yeah we, we, we were in a we were in a choir huddle right um which became popular because the chiefs ran it and um but instead of the choir facing backwards and the quarterback facing the other team with the choir between him and the defense we did it the other way around so the mm. quarterback had his back to the defense and the, the other 10 of us were all facing and so our quarterback would kind of go like you know Guys. drop back left curl and he'd be pointing <laughs> curl uh slant five ten, just calling the roots yeah. and we come up to line swimmers the defensive end would look at me and go so you're running the, the curl it's <laughs> 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 I love, calling two plays reminds me of the great line in a fish called wonder with kevin klein line where he is in the airport getting the ticket she says would you like smoking or non-smoking sir and he goes what was the first one <laughs> one of my favorite lines so get to the mailbag oh yes let's, get to, let's yeah. get to the mailbag quick by the way was uh, was leatherhead your nickname for alex leatherwood or <laughs> yeah it just made, it makes more sense i like it uh i uh, we're gonna go with okay let's uh I know you want to talk a bit about Kingsbury. Um, let's go to this then from Jamie. Hey, Jamie, uh, talking about the Rams cards game. Was it a mixture of LA being very good or, or Arizona not utilizing Kyler correctly? He has injuries. Murray, this is has injuries, but needs to get him running more to set. Feels like Kyler let the team down last night. The pick six were dreadful. So how much was on Kyler? Why yeah. do you think the Cardinals? Those are two, particular? they're two separate questions. The pick six was, was terrible. Like mm. I said, it's Carson Wentz. Um, yeah. And that, you know, that should have been coached out of him a long time ago. You know, mm. you, you don't throw the ball up when you're in the end zone, take the safety. It's not the worst thing that can happen. You know, yeah. compare, compare it. Um, I think he probably was playing a bit hurt. Mm. And the key to beating them is quite simple. You keep him in the pocket, make him look over the linemen and find receivers downfield, which is not his strong point. Uh, He wants to play on the run. You know, he sees the field really well. He looks downfield while he's running, um, you know, keeps his eyes downfield, has the ability to do both, to run and look downfield at the same time. Great instincts, has a great arm. Um, And that's what they were able, that's basically what they were able to do. Um, 
quite quite simply. So um, their inability to make things happen otherwise is probably a negative on Kingsbury. The fact that they've collapsed two years in a row as teams basically adjust to whatever their offense is doing. I think it's more it, than that, though. Isn't it? I, think, I think the collapse arguments are harsh on Kingsbury with it because of injuries. Well, injuries are a factor, but you have to be able to cope. You know, I, I understand that to to a degree. Um, I know everyone gets but two years but, in a row. You know, it's like, don't you have a plan B? You know, well, can't, the, the can't plan you B adjust? when your quarterback goes down two years in a row for a chunk of the season and he was winning with Colt McCoy. It's not like, it. you know, I, yeah. I, I think it's harsh no, I, and King, I get it. Every yeah. team has him. But, but Kingsbury, people are talking about Kingsbury being fired. He's not going to be fired crazy. because he's linked to Murray. Yeah. So while Murray's sure. your quarterback you want to have Kingsbury as your coach because he understands what that offense needs to do. It's just simply that it's not, it doesn't always yeah. do it. Um, and he probably needs to figure out ways, more ways of implementing that. Um, and know, also I, Mike, because he had, he had, if I were him, can I, you know, let me just finish this. If I were him, I would study the Shanahan McKay tree a bit mm. and try to implement parts of that into my version of the Mike Leach kind of offense, uh, the air raid kind of offense, because I think that's pretty much what they lack mm. is, is that ability to catch the defense on their off on their back foot um, with, with the run game. Yeah. Well, in the run game, I mean, that, again, that's where, you know, injuries were prevalent there and Connor was prolific, certainly in the red zone and, and Edmonds banged up as well. And the receiving court stacked up just isn't as strong as most of the other contenders in the NFC. So I know that uh, losing D hop is, is an obvious uh, an obvious negative. Lots of teams can point to. Well, we've lost our Tennessee. You know, yeah, the Rams example. lost Robert Woods, right? Yeah. Sure, I, I, but they've got a lot more around, I think, than than Arizona does. AJ Green's great, but he's you know, pretty much at the, the the end of the road. And uh, I, I don't think there is the same strength and depth as as most of the other and, and and not the NFL, but the contenders in the NFC. So I think it's harsh on harsh on Kingsbury to that degree. As you say, people saying. Is he on the hot seat? Let's get him out. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Uh, Mike, what are you writing about this week on the Patreon column? Oh, partly. I, one of the things will be the Rams. Um, I'll, I'll have my little rant about um, when Cooper Cup won the receiving triple crown, as it were. Yeah. The Rams released a press release, which was basically the NFL's press release. Only the fourth player in NFL history to do this. Well, no, he's not. <laughs> he's the fourth player since the merger to mm. do this. But there were a number of players who did it before. Don Hudson in the 40s did it four times. <laughs> now, he was obviously the best player. <laughs> but oddly enough, in 1951, when the Rams won their first NFL championship mm. and, and their only NFL championship in L.A., Elroy Hirsch, Hirsch, Crazy Legs Hirsch, not only won the triple crown, he also had the most touchdowns in the league, 17 in a 12-game season, and the longest play from scrimmage, 92 yards. So it was a quintuple the crown <laughs> that he won, and he played for the Rams. <laughs> so how can the Rams overlook this? They've already given his jersey away. Now, it had never yeah. been officially retired. But after like the next guy wore number 40, no one had worn number 40 for the Rams. And then um, Von Miller wanted to wear 40. And, you know, no 
disrespected by Miller. He actually asked Hirsch's descendants if they would mind if he wore 40. And they said, yeah, fine, go ahead. So I'm not criticizing the Rams for doing that. But it's one thing to let the guy wear the jersey. It's another just to forget that the guy exists. You know, because Elroy Hirsch was arguably their greatest player ever. I mean, it's a big argument, you know. Um, certainly, if he's, a, if he's in the conversation, then it's yeah. It's I mean, you know, got Deacon Jones and Merlin Olson and you know um, uh, Eric Dickerson and yeah. Jack Youngblood and Hacksaw Reynolds. Youngblood you know, was no nonsense, wasn't it? Yeah. Fred Dreyer, you know, and then obviously in St. Louis, um, Kurt Warner. But in L.A., you know, yeah. Crazy yeah. Legs was was a big part of of, the, of what was the greatest offense, I think, in the NFL probably until the. The Rams came along in St. Louis with the mm. greatest show on turf. You yeah, know, this, yeah, yeah. this was the greatest show on, on grass. I think Hirsch had 1,400 and I want to say 95, but it might be like 75 yards in a 12-game season. You know, So if you prorate that to 16 games, that's, yeah. almost, that's almost 2,000 yards that's right Chris there. Chris Johnson-esque. I love and that. he averaged 23 yards a catch. <laughs> uh, heavyweight. Uh, heavyweight. As no, indeed. no heavy. And even better, Elroy Hirsch played himself in the, in Crazy Legs, the Elroy Hirsch story. <laughs> I Carson, mean, how many guys get to play themselves in a movie? You would definitely going to do that. We are going to make sure that happens. Mike Carson asked himself. Iron Mike, the early years. Well, we're rebooting. Did you see that Ben and I were talking about rebooting Quantum Leap with, um, I think we agreed that, oh my God, who was it going to be in? Oh, it was going to be um, Urban Meyer and... And Ice T, I think we agreed with. No, was, was it my? Anyway, I got it. It was only like a week ago. I forgot who we cast it already. And then this story broke. Some Hollywood, Hollywood title broke this story that they are actually rebooting Quantum Leap. They're making a pilot of it. So really? They, yeah. So maybe they listen to the show. Either way, I think we should um, lobby to get Mike Carlson as himself in the in the Quantum Leap pilot. <laughs> yeah, good thing. Hey, did you have um, SpongeBob in the studio with you on Sunday? No, sadly not. I, we did. Ollie did put a put a request out that he was other, otherwise engaged. When when that's when that green slime squirted out at the TV camera, <laughs> I I was glad I was not on air because my, my first my first vocal response to Rufus was both obscene <laughs> and silly. Oh, uh, that Squidward I think would make a much better guest than he was in SpongeBob. Frankly, be a little bit more focused. So the patron column is. Mike Carlson, FMTE, go and get it. Patreon.com, Mike Carlson, FMTE. Uh, and the words of Jamel Dean, I and Mike, you have your swag back after that <laughs> performance. Uh, well, my swag, you know, it's buried. <laughs> it's buried in the garden where no one can find it. <laughs> it never went away. It never went away. Brilliant stuff, bud. See you next week. Okay. Cheers, man. Brilliant stuff from Iron Mike. He will be back next week. You can count on that at Carlson Sports, how you follow him on Twitter. I was going to say on social media. It is Twitter for Iron Mike. That is his poison. We're also on Twitter at the NC Show. Instagram too. Uh, Same handle at the NC Show. No TikTok yet. Working on that. (laughs) You never know. Yeah, we mentioned the Shane Vereen Show during the chat if you haven't checked that out yet in the vault dropped monday the 17th so uh some brilliant insight from a super bowl winner shane always good fun and super sharp really worth listening to that too all and i will be back later on in the week for edge rush maybe a college days this week we'll have to see there are a couple of ideas bouncing around if not we'll probably drop one next week there's a ton to be getting into uh so make sure if you haven't already subscribe to us whichever pod platform you're listening to this on 
And indeed, if we've got any new listeners via the Sports Podcast Awards, appreciate you checking the show out. Welcome. I hope you are enjoying and stick around because we are going to be working all the way through to the Super Bowl and beyond. When the Super Bowl is done and dusted, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be rolling all through the offseason. Lots of really fun, exciting shows we've got planned for you in the offseason as well. So uh, keep it with us. And incidentally, anyone that's taken time to vote for us in the awards, massively appreciate that. Sportspodcastawards.com. <laughs> Sportspodcastawards.com. Let's fluff the link. Uh, and you can vote for us best NFL show really appreciate that if you have done that uh, it takes about 30 seconds I think take me about 5 minutes but I think for the rest of you it'll take about 30 seconds alright we'll be back with Big O Propo later on this week for Edge Rush see you then bye Sports Social Podcast Network Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.